And we are back here on another episode of Fantasies from the Bedroom, where we make all of your fantasies come true. I am your host, Jake Weiss, coming to you live here on Wednesday, October 7th. Unfortunately, not from the bedroom, but the name holds over from the past. Boy, do we have a special episode for you today. In the spirit of last week's episode, where we're bringing in some new blood to the show because my voice got boring, we are joined here for the first part of the episode by none other than our league's own Jeremy Kesselhout, also known as Cast Jeremy. Thanks for coming on. Great to be out here, Jake. You know, last week was Clem. You know, now it's me. Who's next? Is it uh, Portnoy from Barstool? Yeah, okay. I mean. We're getting higher every week, right? So this is, uh, we, you know, we're going to keep getting to the peak at some point. Um, but we'll see. For now, I think what we're going to do is spend some few weeks. This is a good preview, Jeremy, and you're kicking us off. I think we're going to have some members of the league kind of every week come on for a little interview. So you're the inaugural one. So thank you for hopefully what is not a sacrificial lamb experience. It's, it's an honor. Um, I already delayed us 35 minutes. Plus, just before we got on the call, I opened up. This seltzer and it spilled it all over my my desktop. So, We're off to a good start. This, this, this is, is my this is my this is also my inaugural uh, podcast experience. So so far, uh, dropped the ball twice. But well, uh, glad to be on the show with you. We're happy to have you on, and you're going to be great. So. We're going to, for, for those who are listening and, and love our typical format, we're going to get to the, you know, classic review of our Chappaqua Fantasy Football League. And I'll talk about last week, the waiver wire and this upcoming week and where we're at. And Jeremy can pepper in some of his thoughts on this current season. But while we have Jeremy here, we want to talk more broadly about um, his fantasy football experience and his experience in this league. So, what I want to start with, Jeremy, is I'm going, to, I'm going to start by getting personal. And that's, as, as our listeners know, in this league, we do partnerships. And those have been full. So what I want to understand now is just give me some background. Your partner is obviously Matt Weissman. Take us through what that partnership dynamic is. Is there somebody who wears a bit more of the pants? Is it true democracy? Who cares more? Just give our listeners a little bit on, on what that dynamic is like with Weissman. It's a great question. You know, I think we have to go back to sort of the evolution of my partnership. So nice. I started with Weissman, I believe, I don't know. I don't have as good of a memory as some of the people on this, in our group do and as you and Clem, but uh, started with Weissman for a few years. You know, we weren't, we weren't winning that much. So just like LeBron, you know, left Cleveland, you know, I went, I went with, Rosen, Rosen had won a couple championships. We teamed up, you know, won a championship. You know, he'll claim that, uh, you know, he wanted a new partner every year, but, you know, I was ready to move on. So I went back to Cleveland, went back to Weissman. And I think we're, uh, I don't think we've won yet, but I think we're getting there. Um, I will tell. I won't take offense, Jeremy, to the fact that you completely ignored that we were partners for a year at one point. <laughs> Uh, oh, we were, we were right. called, we were called the desert chimps making fun of the name, the Arctic monkeys. And we were not great. We thought we were the two who cared the most about fantasy football of our friend group. We had the Selvin Young story, which I've shared of getting up super early in the morning and it just didn't translate. So I'll let it be. I'll what let it be. What year? Yeah. 
I would have to imagine somewhere around like 2000, maybe like 10 or 11. No, because I won with Rosen in 11. So maybe the year just before that. So 2010, because then I won with Rosen and then I, I, I abandoned Rosen as well for Akko. And all I have done is not win a championship since while Rosen has won like three more. So Akko, by the way, has never won in our league. So we know who really is to blame there. And uh, he's probably working too late to ever listen to this anyway, so he won't hear that insult, but the rest of you will. Uh, so I will say a little bit, Jeremy, and, and it's okay, a little bit like our very own Vice President Mike Pence and the nominee uh, Kamala Harris, you dodged the question a little bit, which I commend you, but unlike the moderators in tonight's debate, I will press on. Give us just a 30-second snippet of what's the dynamic like. You know, Weissman not always coming across as somebody who you, you two have – you're very, very passionate about things. Weissman always strikes me as nonchalant. Is that how it manifests on the team? Yeah, you know, by the way, apologies that I forgot that. So um, I think in the past, you know, I think I've been a little bit more dedicated than Weissman. I think Weissman's been into it, but didn't do as much preseason reading, um, you know, didn't whip out the ESPN magazine, all that stuff. Um, you know, but the, the, the script has flipped a little bit. This year, you know, I don't think either of us did much research. Our team is looking pretty good so far. You like it, which means it's probably not going to go so well. But he deserves a lot of the credit this year. He uh, drafted uh, pretty much the whole team for us. Um, so uh, I would say, I would say you know, usually there's one of us who takes the lead. Um, he deserves the credit this year. Well, good for him, because as you said, Jeremy, I'm obsessed with your team. Those who listen know that I think Swirlies for the Loser is the odds-on favorite to win the league. They are by far my favorite team. Um, so good to hear that from Weissman. Uh, you did mention getting out the ESPN magazine. It's crazy to think that in five years, there's going to be people who don't even know what that reference means because they never even had an ESPN magazine. And the, the concept of the fantasy football magazine, it's, it's a time gone by, so I appreciate the reference. I bet Akko's still reading that thing. He, oh, uh, yeah. From 2015, though, right? That's why we're still trying to draft those guys. So that's the problem. Okay. Uh, so I asked Clem last week, and, and maybe you don't have one, and that's okay, but do you have a fantasy football loss, regular season plus, that sticks with you, that you think about as, like, I remember we lost this big matchup, and if things had just gone differently, life would be different? You know, I definitely had some stack corrections where I've lost, but I think, I think when I think about my fantasy, my fantasy uh, sports experience, I got to go with a loss to uh, Andrew Pot in uh, fantasy baseball. So it was Mesh and I versus Pot, and who was his partner in fantasy baseball? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It was, they were the the Philly, whatever it was, and uh, it was a back then. It was a two week playoff mm. um two week finals and meshberg and i tntle's tntle's for life let's go mess um we were crushing them through one week and then second week came around we were winning got closer we were up by 8.2 innings with uh they had one person left i think it might have been like roy halliday or something sunday night baseball and he threw nine innings and so we lost that category we lost oh, the the dagger, lost the, so, the dagger. Not as many in fantasy football as I recall, but as I just you know, as I just 
clearly showed. I, my memory is not as strong. In the yeah, well, I'll help you out. Just take remind us. I when I think of your fantasy football, there's a lot I think about, but I think of, and you know, I I get R-rated on this uh, podcast, but I don't usually use this word. But I believe you had a team for a little while, a little you know, L O C O, you know, a little lockout something out, yes. right? A little lockout cockout action. That team, if I remember correctly, you had an undefeated regular season potentially, but then got upset in the playoffs. Can you, do you does that spark any memories? Yeah, no, I think we were. I think we went fifteen and one. I think we were undefeated going into the finals, and then we we dropped that one. Oh, um, you know, I usually find that if you have a great team in the regular season, that means you're not going to win this championship. Yeah, if you want to be the team that's in like third or fourth, that like, you know, who's got that those two guys that are heating up, that's the key. Yeah, it's so crazy how at the end of the day, you need your team to be good enough early on that you're not like 0-6. But to your point, you really just need the team that gets hot in the second half. And we do so much overreacting to the first four weeks and don't appreciate or plan for enough that the last seven are so much more important. But uh, that that uh, Loco team, that's what I remember when I think about your your team. So one uh, one question about our league, would you say either you or you and Weissman, do you think you have a rival? Is there somebody who, when you go up against, you want to beat that partnership or that individual more than others in the league? That's a good question. I mean, I, I sort of break it down into different categories. There's, you know, you know, there's Connor and Pot. Like, you know, you play them, like, you want to beat them because they're so annoying. And, Correct. And uh, they've been a little quieter this year. Um, although their team is pretty good. So I expect more out of them. Um, and then, you know, you got, like, Berman, like, easy victory every week. You know, mm -hmm. you don't really have to worry about it. You know, it feels good to play them. A bit of a rivalry because if you lose to them, then, you, you know, you feel like, like you know, like a fool. And then, you know, Robbie, Robbie's sort of coming along as, as someone who – he's talking a lot of shit. So, you know, last year in the playoffs, you know, he beat Weissman and I. I don't know, by 30, 40. Mm. You know, he, was, he, he was, you know, very excited. Went into the finals. He was up a lot. I think he texted uh, who, who on Rosen and Mesh, texted them, how does it feel? You know, tough loss. And then, and then he lost. So, um, you know, it, it'll feel good to be Robbie this year. Yeah, that, that's a good one. It, you know, Robbie, I think where I struggle with Robbie is, he, when he's doing well, he carries himself with the confidence or arrogance of somebody who's been like a Yankee fan or a Giant fan. As a Met and Jet fan, he should know better. And I know he's trying to capitalize because those moments are never going to come in our real life. But I know you'll never find, you will find me thinking that we are going to lose until the last moment, which has tended to be the truth. Uh, I, I like your answers. And, and for what it's worth on, on my side of things, I would say, I feel like in my life in this friend group, Berman is my rival in all things. So beating him is always my top. But the team of Mesh and Rosen is definitely the team that Akko and I, that's the matchup that we would definitely care the most about. And, you know, not to say that we put up 155 against them in week two this year and beat them, but that's exactly what we did. So you got to show up for rivalry week. Um, one thing I will say is the, the last piece, and I mentioned it on a prior pod, People may not have picked up on that now that our league has had consistency, you play the same people, the same schedule every year. So that means for the last like five years, you've played the same team the final week of the season. And that's Statman and Mitch. Now, Statman and Mitch could not be less my rival in anything else in life. But we have had some week 13 matchups or whatever. 
that have really, you know, that have been some of my devastating losses and devastating losses for them. So it's funny how the different rivalries manifest over time. Is that true? It's structured so that every season you play the same team? Yeah, I think ever since I took over as commissioner, the league that I took over or whatever, I don't know whether Mesh was intentionally or whether he wasn't switching it, but you also have to remember, we also were switching teams so much more, right? I think we settled into a more consistent team structure like five or six years ago. And I know at least from the time I've been commissioner, yes, the schedule is exactly the same. So I know every year we start against Connor and Pot, and every year we finish against Statman and Mitch. Like, I don't really always remember how it goes in between, but I know. So, you know, obviously the beauty of fantasy is that really shouldn't matter. The teams change every year. But I promise you, if you go look back at your schedule, like whoever you're playing this year, Cass, on week 13, that's the team in the last few years that has either made or, you know, made or broken your season. That's true. Good point. Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, so, okay. Here's a topic that, that's important to, to me, as you know, and I know you and Weissman even texted me. You've heard me vocalize my thoughts on kickers and defense. I've made that clear, yep. and, and you know where I stand on – you know, to QB league and auction. In terms of fantasy changes, where do you sit on the spectrum? What is it that you, Jeremy Kesselhout, want to see in our league going forward? It's, it's funny. The defenses and kickers don't bother me that much because, you know, there's a little bit of luck involved, but there's a little bit of luck involved in all of fantasy football. So, you know, should we remove quarterbacks as well? Like, maybe there's more predictability because they're the ones holding the ball and, you know, controlling the game and so the, the better quarterbacks you get more points and all that but you know that's part of the game so I, I don't have as much of an issue with that I do think you know I like the idea of expanding you know maybe having a second quarterback maybe adding more players into the mix um, I'm in favor of rules that um, allow skill to sort of dictate you know who's going to win more so you know, less players means, you know, more randomness means, you know, someone, someone else, you know, is not, I'm not saying that I'm the most, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's, it's, uh, it's good to, to have those sort of, uh, those, those rules in place. So, you know, two quarterbacks, maybe, maybe another flex, but I, I, the defense and kickers, I, I don't mind it that much. All right, and, and that's okay, right? We can agree to disagree on that. I, I like that you're in favor of some other changes. You're going to obviously see some votes come through from me as commissioner in the offseason. But, you know, we have to remember, we, we moved to an auction uh, waiver a couple years ago. That was a big change. We now instituted keepers for the first time, one step at a time. You know what I mean? You have to remember, this is a league that started in the archaic days of no decimal points, no fraction yeah. points, and – uh, home field advantage. So think about how far we've come, right? So when I do my my yelling on this pod, right, I need to remind and ground myself and how far we've come. So some of that conversation was good. Um, I want to shift topics a little bit, Jeremy, and I do believe you have some questions for me that, that I want you to be able to get to, but I want to shift topics. Couple rapid fire, really questions. One, if tomorrow... We were playing a wiffle ball game. Who would be your first overall pick from our friend group? You got to go Akko. You got to go Akko. It depends on the field. Maybe Domershek if it's uh, – I can't believe I just called him Domershek. I, I call him Connor. <laughs> it's getting late here. Um, 
it depends, depends on the field, you know. Favorite teacher, Horace Greeley High School. Man. Um, uh, wow, I clearly don't uh, didn't have a favorite there. All right. Um, that, that could be an answer. <laughs> Greeley's had some ups and downs in the last like year, so I get it. You want to stay disassociated. I respect it. I have one last rapid-fire question. Oh, mine was Mrs. Kaiser, English teacher, she was, absolute she was rock star. Absolute rock star. She wrote my college rec. Thank you, Amy Kaiser. Shout out. Nice. She was, she was nice. I think I don't think I had her, but uh, good stuff. Wow. That's, An that's Andrew Pott and I were in her class together and at the time were fantasy partners. I, I think our team might have involved Kaiser because I think we were Kaiser for Prez. So there you go. That's how much we liked her. All right, Kess, last question. Age-old Chappaqua debate. Langs or Rockies? It's a great question. Um, you know, in high school, it had to be Rockies, but, you know, now I care more about the quality, right? And I, I think Langs is better quality. You know, there's fried chicken cutlets at, at Rockies. Not so much about it. The Langs chicken cutlets are a thing of beauty. They're just an absolute thing of beauty. They're the kind of thing that I'll never go kosher because I could never have Langs chicken cutlets again. It was definitely fun in high school going to, to Rockies with Stabman. He would get, like, turkey with bacon, hash browns, like, you know, avocado, hot sauce. Like, this guy would get everything on the sandwich. And I think he'd get two of them. There's not many activities that you do with Stabman where you're like, oh, yeah, he took the normal route. Right, he did the normal thing. He just got like the Cluckin' Russian, right, or the Millwood at, at Rockies. No, it had to be its own experience. But some good Rockies moments, you know, after a night at Akko's house or after a night at, at uh, Robbie's. So Rockies does deserve its love. But I agree with you, you know, aging like fine wine is Lang's, right, and, and a good chicken cutlet sandwich from there. So I'm glad – I loved a lot of your answers. So I, I stand by them. So – I could obviously keep doing this, and I have more questions, and I'm loving this, but I want to give you the floor. I know that you had uh, some questions that you wanted to ask, so I want to give you the chance to, to ask some of them. Sure, we can, uh, we, we can do that if you want, or we, could, we can keep going, whatever, whatever you prefer. No, that's great. Go for it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, here's where we flip the script. It's sort of like, you know, in Step Brothers, like, now I'm going to interview you. I love so, it. Um, I think uh, I think we got to start. You know, this, some of these. I think we're going to start with you know some more personal questions, less about fantasy football. Amazing. Um, you know, Chef Molly. Shout out she, to you. Where, wherever she is. Chef Molly is here. She can hear this entire podcast as she listens to every single one live every time. She's a real trooper. Is she in the living room with you? Uh, she's been back and forth. We are packing for a trip. So she's in the room right now. She's in the actual bedroom where this used to be recorded. Um, but she can definitely hear uh, all things. So shout out Chef Molly. Well, I, know, I know she's a, a mean chef. Um, looks like you guys had quesadillas tonight. Good stuff. We, we did. I'm very topical. We did. She crushed the quesadillas. It was quite the fiesta at home tonight. What's her, what's her best meal that she cooks? Chef Molly's best meal, I would still say at this point, is her pesto salmon, roasted asparagus, and roasted potatoes, little Parmesan, salt, pepper, garlic on top. Just incredible. That's the meal that if I'm having that, I know that I'm in for a treat. 
little wine paired with it. So that's probably our go-to meal uh, when we're looking for something good. It's her pesto salmon. That's good stuff. Have you been cooking at all? Yeah. So look, Jeremy, and I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far into this, but look, when you're when you're maintaining a brand empire or you're building a brand empire, right? Sometimes you have to bend the truth a little bit in order to main keep the brand alive. It, this is not a 1940s relationship in which I sit on the couch, drink beer, watch sports <laughs> while Chef Molly does all the cooking. There is That's a lot. Ask, yeah. There's a lot of sous chef Jake, and there are plenty of nights where it is Chef Jake and sous chef Molly. But that's not what the people want, right? They're not paying to see my cooking. Or no, the people love Chef Molly. The people want Chef Molly, and so I give them Chef Molly. You referenced the quesadillas tonight, and I can promise you that there was a lead quesadilla maker, and that person does not have very long hair, right? It was me. But that's not what the people want to see. And I can't create a brand competition now. She is by far the better chef. She is the one who does it more often and she cares more. That being said, what I put out there is not necessarily always represented. So feel free listeners, anytime you're looking, one, you could either start to identify patterns and see is there a way to tell whether it's a Chef Molly or a Chef Jake, maybe. Two, feel free to message me and ask whether this was more of a Chef Jake. But I promise you, on almost all Chef Molly creations, there was a sous Chef Jake uh, component to it. So I will say, oh, I'm getting the stare down. So she definitely heard. Now you're causing, you know, strife yeah, in my household here, Jeremy. That's great. Yeah, this is, uh, I wanted to do this as, you know, a bit of a public shaming here. You know, because, you know, all you do is comment on her cooking. I assume, you know, you're sitting on the couch, you know, tonight watching the debate. You know, watching the Yankee game, I heard it was a rough game. I didn't see it. Um, and uh, the Yankees lost, by the way, for yeah. those who uh, didn't understand what that meant. And uh, you know, wasn't sure if it was a you know patriarchal household or whatnot, but I'm glad to hear there's more balance. I, I've gotten a lot of shit over the uh, over the quarantine for for not doing enough in the kitchen. Tonight, you know, I actually tried. My, my mom's gone. It's my brother and I here. I tried, I tried cooking a little bit. Turns out the meatballs that my mom was supposed to put in the freezer, she put in the fridge. So I started cooking them and I, I'm, I'm like looking at, like there's mold on, on the meatballs. So that, that was my, one of my first attempts during quarantine to cook. Not so successful. Um, you know, we'll see if I, if I continue to cook here. No, so Chef Kess off to a tough start. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped. Chef Molly definitely guided me through to where I am, right? I was definitely the apprentice and, and getting better. Uh, but to your point, no. Unlike some of the other members of our league, hashtag Pot and Berman, I'm a bit more progressive, right, and support more progressive views. And I am all for here to support Molly. I would actually say that my support for her cooking is, is me just trying to promote her and help her brand. Uh, I have seen over time how it has started to come across as if all I do is sit here and then just take pictures of them. It's not the case. Uh, it's not the case. So th that's the reality. And, and I have enjoyed cooking. And I would be happy to cook for any and all members of this league when, uh, when this pandemic is over. You can come over and test your, your Chef Jake cooking. And one time, you heard it here first, Kess, one time on this pod, we will feature Chef Molly herself. Awesome. And we, we can talk through all these things and she can let you know about whether Chef Jake is actually a legitimate cook. 
That's crucial. That's crucial. And I, I think, you know, we want to, we want to know the person that's delivering our podcast. So it's important to ask these questions. No, I love it. Um, and, uh, you know, notice you've also been doing a lot of running. Mm-hmm. Central Park is your spot. Mm-hmm. You know, where else do you like to run? How far are you running these days? What's yeah. The, so, so I appreciate the asks about running. Uh, this is great. Yeah. So started running, been running for a while, really took it up back in March and it's really two places, right? I live, if I go out of my apartment and I go right to mile at a central park and then I just run the reservoir. Absolutely beautiful. Could not recommend more. If I go left, it's the East river Esplanade. You can go up and down that. And then what I start getting into, Jeremy, you want to know the real secret sauce. You get up to about 102nd Street, there's a bridge over to Randall's Island that you can run. And now you're kind of in your own secluded area, beautiful views of the water. This is the secret to my success. I like to do minimum of four miles, try and go five or six if I can. And I was very lucky to, uh, to have run a personal half earlier in, the, earlier in the quarantine, which was a cool feeling. But you know, I feel like it's a little, and so it's been great, but I feel like I'm talking to the best runner of our whole friend group. So is that still, you know, I remember you used to run some crazy stuff back when trying out for Otto's soccer team and in, and in uh, Greeley. Is running still a part of your repertoire or have you moved on to bigger and better things? It is. It, repertoire still remains all cardio, no weights. Um, I'm trying to, Preach. You know, I try to get in Preach. three or four miles, um, you know, two to four times a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more, sometimes less. I find that I'm not in as good shape as I used to be. Um, I've actually put on some some LBs during quarantine. You can um, never tell on this call. I know you're all going to be listening on on audio, but he looks as great as ever, right? He looks like the uh, the homecoming king. You should see my stomach. <laughs> see my stomach. Just kidding. Uh, then this would no longer be a kids show. I haven't gained that much weight. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the, definitely don't have it like I a, like a used to. Um, like, uh, but uh, those are the good days. Remember we used to call you 110? I, I remember I remember all those uh, recreational sports, really sports. You were always, you just had the can-do attitude. You just wanted it more. Yeah, you know, with that, I appreciate the, the 110 reference. What it really was, Jeremy, is when you lack talent, you need to make up for it somewhere else. And so I was just like, what if I just try harder than everybody else? And uh, that was my MO. And still try and do that whenever I play sports, right? I pretty much, and Chef Molly can definitely agree with this, I take everything in life too seriously. So that's sort of been my MO, as I'm doing with this here podcast, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, speaking of taking things too seriously and on the topic of fantasy sports, do you remember... Were you in that fantasy basketball league in uh, middle school? I might not have been in, so I don't mean to, to ruin your thing. I sometimes yeah. – I, I didn't always make the, the cool club fantasy league. No, I no, actually no. was a late addition you, to the original fantasy baseball league as well. You were definitely in there. Um, it, I was reminded of it. I was, I was uh, When you told the Selvin Young story, um, I was just reminded, like, I was so into fantasy sports. Um, I remember in middle school, I used to, there was this, we would, you know, we did fantasy basketball. It was like the first or second season. 
I, uh, I drafted a pretty good team. And then I came up with this strategy where I would just pick up like a, a hot player. And then I would, I would train them with someone on my team that was also doing pretty well. And then I would do one of those two for one trades and upgrade mm -hmm. my team. And I got, I would do that during my lunch break. So we were at Bell Middle School. I'd be in the library with, with like whoever I was trying to trade with. And I would be trying to, trying to explain the trade. Some people on this podcast will remember that. And I ended up with a team of, of all the All-Stars. It was like Kobe Bryant, uh, Tim Duncan. I think I had Garnett. I think I had like Chauncey Billups. I think I had like Crawford. I had like, I had this ridiculous team. And uh, it was, you reminded me when you said uh, making up for it with talent, I would just, I would just work harder than, than anyone in the fantasy world. Probably for the, the league was probably $5 at the time. Yeah, so no. I, I will say that it was great times. If I had to say what your fantasy sports reputation is, is you were the 110 of fantasy sports. You were always great. And to your point, back then it was like, it was always on your mind. But that was true for all of us. Like, I just think that that was what we talked about. And we did all the leagues across. And fantasy basketball, I always remember, was the most where you could benefit by yeah. picking up people. So it really lent itself to that whole culture of free agency in a way that the other leagues didn't. And then Sounds like you packaged them and trade them. So as we near the end of uh, this interview, Jeremy, first of all, I just want to say thank you for coming on. This is awesome. And I know it was your, your first foray, and it's exciting to uh, have you on. I got to bring it back and just ask. As you know, I am a big believer in swirlies for the loser. Do, are you right now, is, are you ready to state? Do you think that this is your year? Do you have that confidence? Are you putting the league on blast? I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident, but I'm weighing that with the fact that, you know, we're, what are we, week, week five? And yes. COVID is really starting to take a toll. I mean, I think, I think on this podcast, every week we should assess the odds that we actually finish the season. I think right now it's got to be 50-50. I mean, the Titans, you know, they're, they're showing that it's not, it's not a week-by-week. Week you can't just decide one week, okay, they're good to play and, and not think that it's going to carry over. Like, the Titans, you know – this could spread across the league. The Patriots now, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a real problem. And I, I don't think they prepared very well, but, uh, um, so I'm weighing that with the fact that, you know, I do like our team. We got a lot of depth. Um, I think wide receiver very strong. I think running backs, you know, pretty solid, but we'll see how some of the backfield shake out. Um, yeah. I, to your point, I didn't, you know, remember the Titans is going to be, one of my favorite football movies and also something we say about uh, their football team in the 2020 season, right? Remember when they used to play? Remember when they ruined the 2020 NFL season? So, uh, yeah, I agree. It, it feels like we're on thin ice. And, and the biggest thing is, to your point, you know, if they do all of this week 19, you know, adding weeks at the end, for us as football fans, great, right? Like, yeah. you're in it as a Jets fan. It really doesn't matter. But sure, do whatever it really impacts the fantasy football landscape, right? And we might have to make decisions if they're really, you know, if they're going to make up games at the end, how are we going to count them? What does that mean for the playoffs? And this is, this is the first year ever where I was like, man, it would be fun not to be the commissioner dealing with oh, all yeah, of man. this. And, uh, you, you know, know our league is a group of very reasonable people who really handle things professionally. So it's great. It's really fun. Yeah. Goodell is Goodell's fucked. I mean, you're, you're screwed as well. All the commissioners out there. Yeah, yeah, so 
Kamesh and Rosen and Akko are sitting there laughing, knowing that they don't have to deal with this. But uh, so I am. I will continue to say, and it's coming. It's a preview for what's coming on the pod. Swirlies for the loser is still my favorite team in the league. You are one of the only teams, Jeremy, in the history of this podcast to break the mush. That's two weeks in a row now that I have called you my favorite team in the league, and two weeks in a row you've pulled out Ws. That is not how Love this that. has gone in the past. So if there was ever a year for you to pull it off, this is it. But I feel for you that uh, in the midst of all that, COVID might ruin the whole season. Yeah, love, love that. I think, I think our, you know, Josh Allen, I think, probably going to revert to the mean. Um, I think tight end, Ertz, just, he'll have to get better or we need a new tight end. Some players will get hurt, obviously. You know, I don't think Mike Evans – We'll see if he's durable throughout the season. It'll be, it'll be as it always is. It'll probably, it'll probably fall apart, but I'm optimistic while it can be. I love it. Well, Jeremy, Cass, thanks so much for, for coming on. It was great having you. The inaugural member of the Chappaqua group getting interviewed, the first of many. I had a great time. And uh, there is no doubt that you will be a repeat uh, member of this podcast. We'd love to have you back on in the future. Maybe we'll do a group pod with some other people down the road. But uh, thank you and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what Sorrelli's for the Loser has in store. Great to be on here. Hope everyone enjoyed. I know I'm not that funny, so Shake's uh, the real natural. We'll let him uh, continue here. I think um, you were great. We do welcome all feedback. Feel free to roast both of us in all group chats and such. But uh, thank you, this was great. And uh, we'll now move in shortly to, uh, you know, the, the classic part of this pod, talking about last week and upcoming weeks. All right. Well, that was a wonderful interview with Jeremy Kesselhal, one of the members of Swirlies for the Loser, one of our teams, and we're so glad to have him on the pod. And like I said, we're going to have more and more members of this here uh, fantasy community on the pod. But I know as great as that was – you, you, need your, you need your little bit of time hearing me talk about last week, look at the waivers, talk about next week. You know, you know. So we head into week four, and similar to how you feel about NFL teams, you start to feel like in this, you start to get a sense of who in the fantasy league are the real teams and the not real teams, right? And you start to see, because you get the players, and so you can start to form some real opinions. So I feel like coming off of this last week and heading into this next one, we're all starting to get a better sense of, okay, what teams might actually be good and what teams might not be, right? And as we think about the real NFL, I can tell you that the Jets and the Giants, actually not good. Uh, we're coming off just to place us back in history, a wonderful Jets Thursday night game. Honestly, it was a great game, but in Jets classic fashion, a uh, mini heartbreaking loss to the third string quarterback, Brett Rippon of the Denver Broncos. It was awful. And the Giants actually put up a real fight against the Rams, but found a way to lose late with a late pick from Daniel Jones to seal it. And got to give love, knowing there's fans, to our third New York team, the Buffalo Bills. Just keep the winning train rolling, beating another team that teams people feel are actually good in the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Bills sit and 4-0. and oh. And where are we in the league? Uh, we are sitting here with Cup Half Full, Brian and Jason, sitting here at 4-0, and oh, 
top of the league. Unbelievable. And we're going to get more into that. And Morningwood had Statman and Mitch sitting at the bottom at 0-4. So the cup half full, maybe the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs of our league. Morningwood had 0-4. They starting to look like the New York Jets of our league. That's where we're at. But we'll get right into it. Looking at our week four matchups, and we're going to go rapid fire because I know the Kess interview was long. It was great. I don't want to make you listen here for too long. This is Peyton's man thing, Jackson and Abe versus our very own Swirlies for the loser, Kess and Weissman. And Kess and Weissman were projected 135 and only put up 108. So that's a disappointing week. And 108 in the 2020 fantasy world, not as great, right? There, there's so much scoring going on in the NFL, but Jackson and Abe just fell apart. Right, I mean, this is a team that just fell apart. And, you know, they're dealing with Devontae Adams being out. And this is a team that had Derrick Henry sitting out because obviously one of the big topics, as Jerry mentioned at the end, COVID, right? It's happening. It's affecting the NFL. And we just had our first weird week where the Titans and the Steelers got their game moved. Patriots and the Chiefs got their game moved, but they still played. But so if you're Jackson and Abe, you have no Devontae Adams, no Derrick Henry, hard to get the W here uh, with that. And, you know, so just not a great performance all around. It'll be very interesting to see how they do going forward. But if Devontae and Derrick Henry are, are healthy, it's a good team. Now, over time, I can't believe that I voted this the best team. This is a team that, like I'm saying, by week four, now you're saying they're a good team, but they're not in the top tier of this league. They're just a good, good team. Swirlies for the loser, on the other hand, you love when you win weeks when you don't have a great week. and. Swirlers for the loser, in a week where they lost, this would have been one of those frustrating weeks because they had every single like bench player, other than Deion Lewis, I'll get back to him, play really well, right? They benched Mike Evans, 22 points. Singletary, 16. Ronald Jones, 16. It was one of those weeks while they decided to start, Jonathan Taylor and Daryl Henderson, right, who went for nothing, right, combined for 12 points. So it was just one of those weeks. But what that means is it's a testament to they're so deep. And they're just going to keep being so fucking good. So it's so tough. It is amazing that Deion Lewis continues to be terrible. And we're going to talk about Devontae Freeman. He had a slightly better week. But the $78 on those two guys is just too much. Uh, let it be known, I had projected Surly's for the loser to take the W. So 1-0 on the week on projections there. And Surly's for the loser, they just, there's a lot of talent on this team moving forward. Looking at the next matchup, Akko may go to Florida, David and Hank, taking on the machines, Jay and Brent. And David and Hank had the week you're looking for. And that was in part, thanks in part, to a massive fantasy breakout performance from none other than OBJ. Right? Some people think he's a number two receiver. Wink, wink. But this week he shows he's a number one receiver, putting up 36 fantasy points. Monster week, but you don't put up 150 if you're David Hank from just that. They got massive weeks from Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook, Will Fuller. Good for them. I don't know how sustainable this is. I'm still not a Beckham believer, but Tyreek Hill, Dalvin Cook, those two feel like they're just going to keep putting up monster points. This team has Jerry Judy and Antonio Gibson and Jamison Crowder on the bench. You know, they could start to put something together. I don't hate this team. That's my take there. On the other side, Brenton Jay. Look, the, the miracle story had to come to an end. It's just a team that's dealing with so many injuries, right? And, and this team riddled with injuries, right? Saquon, Lev Bell, you've heard about. Obviously, they have Juju. 
right, who now has to sit out courtesy of the weird week with the Steelers and the Titans. So you're talking about a team that started Russell Gage and Miles Gaskin. Now, those guys have had good weeks, but, you know, you just don't want to have to be relying on them. Miles Gaskin, who, by the way, you know, after a, you heard me last week rant, way too much dollar spent on him, way too many dollars, whatever it is, 7.7 fantasy points, the curse continues. Like, I don't know if there's been a guy who people have paid $20 or more for on waivers, a running back, who then actually had a good week. I would have to look back, but this is ridiculous. And you got to feel for Jay and Brent because Le'Veon Bell finally coming back in the week. You think it's going to be okay, and fucking Nick Chubb goes down. Nick Chubb goes down for six weeks. So you're talking about if you're them, they had Chubb, they had Saquon, first overall pick, Chubb, second overall pick, Bell, fourth or fifth overall pick, all going to be out for a significant time. And uh, it's just time to bury this team, right? Like they would need a miracle. I just, I don't see it happening. And their pair of running backs of Miles Gaskin and DeAndre Swift to get them by, I just don't see it. Um, and let it be known, they are still carrying three tight ends. Still. With all of this running back depth issue, they are still carrying three tight ends, and they're three tight ends all combined for 11 points this week. So I don't know what's happening over there, but I could not be less interested in a team. FC Transylvania, Mesh and Rosen versus Robbie and Justin, Bernie Sanders for Prez, the, the, the rematch of last year's fantasy finals ends in a similar but slightly different way in that it came down to the final game, final moment, and yet again, Robbie and Justin disappointed on the losing side. Mesh and Rosen had the week they needed, spearheaded by Joe Mixon's massive performance. Good for Joe Mixon. Well, honestly, Joe Mixon's an absolute scumbag, so never good for him, but good for Mesh and Rosen that things went well. And it's always fun when you win, when your quarterback only scores 11 fantasy points. And, you know, they have to be excited because their bench went off. And whenever your bench goes crazy, you got to be excited that, uh, that, you know, you could plug and play a lot of guys and they have Joshua Kelly. I mean, this is a team that's going to be formidable. They're healthy and they have Joshua Kelly, Latavius Murray, and Chase Edmonds, all of whom it seemed like might start getting more and more play. So that's a really good team. We'll talk more about them on the Robbie and Justin side. This is where fantasy just fucking sucks and why it's a nightmare and why it like literally ruins everything. First of all, they finally get George Kittle back. And what does George Kittle go out and do? Monster performance. He does even more than you ever could have expected in your first game, 32 points. Now, before that, they literally have Michael Gallup and CD Lamb. Now, on the one hand, I've never loved owning two receivers on the same team for the exact reason we're about to talk about. Literally. If you go back in week two, Michael Gallup had seven fantasy points. In week two, CeeDee Lamb had 15 fantasy points. In week three, CeeDee Lamb had nine. Michael Gallup had 23. In week four, Michael Gallup had four. CeeDee Lamb had 23. Robbie and Justin have gotten it wrong every single time. Every single time. So what I would do is whoever they're starting next week, Go on to your daily fantasy and bet the other guy because they literally can't get it right. And had they gotten it right, they would have won the week if they had just simply played Lamb. But the thing that really kills them, who has been 
the best fantasy wide receiver coming into this week, I believe, other than maybe DeAndre Hopkins, but it was Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. And going into Monday night, thanks to Kittle's performance, it was essentially Travis Kelsey versus Calvin Ridley. And Travis Kelsey, who has been a machine and a double-digit point machine this season, goes out there and kind of lays an egg, 8.5. Calvin Ridley actually goes out there and lays an egg and scores zero. It is so hard to be a relevant fantasy player and score zero. And it for the Atlanta Falcons, it's just unbelievable. Ridley puts up zero. I was texting with Robbie. It did not go well. He was very confident, which was we talked about earlier on the pod. He probably should stop doing that. And they take the L, and that's a tough L. Those are the games you look back and wish you won. And now both of these teams are one and three. And Robbie and Justin team, I still like them. They have to figure out this CeeDee Lamb issue, but uh, they still have Mark Ingram as their second running back, and they haven't had a great answer. Maybe James White coming back bails them out. But tough loss for them. Good win for Mesh and Rosen off the schneid. Let it be known, Dave and Hank, which I already got through, I predicted them to win, and I predicted Mesh and Rosen. So 3-0 and so far this week. I don't think it goes as well from there. We look now, cup half full, Brian and Jason versus Connor and Pot, Buffalo Real Estate. This was the matchup of the undefeated teams, battle for supremacy. To be honest, very, very similar scores here to the Kesson Weissman versus Jackson and Abe matchup. 109 to 87. So neither team did great. Cup half full, bolstered by not necessarily a singular great performance, but consistency across the board. From Mahomes, Diggs, Kamara, David Johnson, Mark Andrews, Jarvis Landry. Sometimes that's what happens, right? Sometimes you get the monster performance from one or two guys, and sometimes it's just consistency. Nobody's scoring more than 22, fan, 21 fantasy points, but you take the W and you know, Mahomes and Mark Andrews combining for 40, nearly 40-plus 40 fantasy points. Again, it's tough to beat them. On the other side, Connor and Pot with really the first dud of the season. And what's a little concerning is there's nothing on the bench that suggests they're going to get better. Uh, they made what I think was the smart move in benching Julio Jones. He just didn't play that well, so it doesn't even come back to bite them. So I don't really know exactly what they're going to do. Maybe they just need better performances, but – with Austin Eckler going out, that means their number two running back. I guess they can fucking, excuse me, James Robinson on the Jaguars is going to be the best fantasy player. It's unbelievable. So they're just going to plug him in. But they take a tough L. And Jason wanted me to let you know that we have one 4-0 team and two 3-1 teams. He, his team is 4-0. And Twirlish for the loser and Buffalo Real Estate are 3-1. Both of the 3-1 teams, their only loss is the cup half full. So... Cup half full has earned their 4-0, except for something we're going to talk about in a minute. But from an opponent standpoint, they have earned their 4-0. I had taken Connor and Pot to win, so I'm 3-1 on the week. We'll see if Connor and Pot can bounce back to the final matchup, Evan and Jake versus Statman and Mitch. And, you know, it's just it's the same story with Statman and Mitch. I literally am a broken fucking record, but if they play a team – that team puts up more than 125. It's just unbelievable. We had a great week, putting up 133, carried by our guy Dak Prescott, who is just literally my hero, my favorite player ever. And for us, you know, we had James Conner and Deontay Johnson both not play because of the Steelers game getting moved. And we had Godwin and McCaffrey both out. So we're missing our top three picks. And Johnson, who was playing like a, you know, a wide receiver too, and we still put up 130 and won the week. And that's exciting for us. 
Uh, so we feel really good. And on the other side, Stamina and Mitch, you know, they put up 111. It was a good week. They just – they didn't have a great week. Uh, but, you know, Gurley with 19, Aaron Jones with 20, Stafford with 22. It was just – it just wasn't enough. And it was a good week overall. So we'll see what – if they can uh, – if they can get on the board next week with a W, but you know, feeling really lucky on our end to have Dak just continue. It's amazing what they're, they're letting him do over there. So he puts up 38 points and you know, that's three straight weeks of 28 or more fantasy points, three straight weeks of 450 yards or more. It's awesome. We're having fun. We're having a good time here. So that's where we're at. And after four weeks, right, that's a quarter of the real season. And it's what, like almost like two fifths of, of our fantasy season. We have, Cup path full at 4-0. Swirlies and Buffalo Real Estate each at 3-1. and one. And then a pocket of four different teams. Us, David and Hank. Uh, excuse me, Jay and Brent. And then Jackson A. Ball at 2-2. Two and two. Right behind them, you have Robbie and Jason. Robbie and Justin and Mesh and Rosen. And then, you know, Morningwood heads 0-4. And they're two games behind the fourth place team. So a lot of parity happening in the league. One thing I would like you to know is... By a significant margin, Mesh and Rosen and Statman and Mitch have the most points against. I mean, you're talking, they have 552 and 546, respectively. Evan and I have 513. The next highest team is 485 at Robbie and Justin. So you just got to feel for both Mesh and Rosen and Statman and Mitch. Those are teams that are just getting beat up by other teams. And on the flip side, two of our top three teams, Cup Half Full and Buffalo Real Estate, have two of the three lowest points against. Cup half full with 405, Buffalo Real Estate with 405. The only other team that's lower is Peyton's Man Thing actually has 403. Uh, and I think that's because when we played them, we put up – well, we didn't play them, but, I, you know, they, I guess they've just had really low points against them. Somehow they're still two and two, though. So that's worrisome for them. But, uh, you know, so you got to wonder, when you look at that, you're proud of Jason and Brian for winning – four games and for beating two of the best teams and they have the second highest point total. So they deserve a lot of their praise. On the other hand, they have the second lowest points against. So things are working out for them. They probably had a lot of beat downs, but are they really as good as we think they are? Who knows? We'll see going forward. So that was our week four recap segment, right? We usually do three segments, four segments on this pod. We're going to go now to our waiver wire review, which is where a lot of the magic happens. And what are we already looking at, right? The sad part is the waiver wire gets less exciting over time, right? Because fewer teams are starting to figure it out. And unless there's a major injury, not a lot of people, let's say, become wildly available. So this week, the big money was spent on Justin Jackson. $18 on him. He's the backup for Joshua Kelly in San Diego. Now that Eckler went down, makes sense that Buffalo Real Estate went for that. I don't think Justin Jackson's going to like be great, and I, but I don't think $18 is breaking the bank because if he does end up being good, you need that. So it's still a lot of money. And then $13 on Damian Harris, uh, you know, who, who the fuck knows with that New England backfield. They have Harris and Burkhead and White and Sony and that rookie J.J. Taylor. It is the death of a fantasy football manager to try and own and play someone in that backfield. And then only so far, only two defenses added. So is the, you know, that's exciting. Only two defenses added so far, the Chargers and the, uh, the Lions. So 
We will see if any more defenses get switched out. I'm sure there'll be at least one more, but weakest kind of waiver wire so far, uh, you know, of this season. And, and that's all right. Um, that's all right. That's just what happens uh, as the season goes on. I'm sure things will get exciting again in the future. And of course, all this COVID uncertainty is making the waiver wire a little weird. So now we look ahead. Week five, we'll go through this rapid fire. We have some good matchups. We have Swirlies for the loser, Kesson Weissman versus Bernie Sanders for Prez, Robbie and Justin. This is officially a fucking rivalry as Kess called Robbie out specifically as the guy he likes to beat most. So this is big, right? Putting the nuts on the table. And I love Robbie and Justin's team, right? I think with Kittleback, they have a chance. We'll see if they get Lamb right. I think Ridley has a bounce back game, all of it. But we know how I feel about Swirlies for the loser. And this team is just a monster. The only problem Swirlies for the loser has is between Ronald Jones, Keenan Allen, and Daryl Henderson all being on their bench, it's like they're going to suffer from who's the right guy to play. And they still haven't taken Debo Samuel off of IR, who in a couple weeks might be, you know, somebody eventually worth playing. So their biggest problem is going to be that they have too many guys. They should really do a two-for-one or a three-for-one or a three-for-two trade uh, with somebody. That's what this team needs going forward. So we'll see if they start to do that. But I'm picking Kesson Weissman to take home the W. Looking at our next matchup, we got Jackson and Abe versus Jay and Brent. And this is an important matchup. You got two two and two teams here. And, you know, one team starts to lose. There'd be two losses in a row for each of these teams. You don't want to start to fall into, you know, bottom of the barrel. And like I said, Jay and Brent's team just riddled by injury. The key to their matchup is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Because DeAndre Swift's on bye, like genuine bye. Like football players have bye weeks. Uh, or maybe that's a canceled game. I don't think so. I think that's a genuine bye week. Genuine bye week. So if Le'Veon Bell doesn't play or isn't really going to get carries, Jay and Brent are going to have to scrap for a second running back. So that's the key to their matchup. On the other hand, for Jackson and Abe, you know, they get Derrick Henry back, but they're dealing with Green Bay on bye. So, you know, their third wide receiver is Sammy Watkins. Now, I have mixed feelings on Sammy Watkins, but to me, he's the key to, key to their matchup. If he's Sammy Watkins from week one, who looked like a focal point of the Chiefs offense, or if he's Sammy Watkins from weeks two and four that had a combined over those 10 targets, you know, it's just, so I think that that's the, the key. Looking at it, you know, I want to pick Jay and Brennan in the upset pick, but they're just so riddled by injury. If they pull it off, good for them. But I see Jackson and Abe taking home this, uh, this W somewhat easily as I just, I feel for, uh, for Jay and Brent. I don't, I don't know what, what the future holds for them. And given their running back situation, the fact that they still have three tight ends on their roster, I actually don't know if they're trying even at this point. We move to our next matchup, a fascinating matchup. Mesh and Rosen versus Brian and Jason. Now, as you know, I love Mesh and Rosen's team. And I think it's finally on the come up. And I think they've kind of figured it out. And they're taking on Brian and Jason, who, you know, it's just stars everywhere. Except, you know, their two and three receivers starting this week are Justin Jefferson and Jarvis Landry. Now, in any given week, those guys have a good week. I'm not surprised. But if they have a bad week, I'm not surprised either. And from my top team, that's not really what I'd expect at this point. So I'm actually going with the upset pick. And I'm going to pick Mesh and Rosen to take down Brian and Jason Keep the parity in our league alive. And as you see, I'm trying to add this in. Most important player for Mesh and Rosen in their matchup is 
crazy as it sounds, it's Jared Goff. This guy, you know, he's not consistent enough. He's had two weeks with 24-plus points and then two weeks with 11 points. And, you know, that 16-point differential, when you're going up against a team that has Mahomes, you can't lose by 15 there. That's just going to kill you. So Jared Goff, the key there. And for Brian and Jason, it really is Justin Jefferson on, obviously, these last two weeks, he's seemingly come alive, right? Double-digit performances each week. If he's going to put up 12 to 15, that's huge to buoy them as they have this week-wide receiver core. But if he's meh, right, then, then that's going to be the case, and, and, and they're going to struggle at wide receivers. So will be fascinating to see how that plays out. But you heard it here first, Mesh and Rosen on the upset pick. We move now to two teams in polar opposite experiences so far this season, Connor and Pop, Buffalo Real Estate versus Statman and Mitch. And Connor and Pop should start celebrating because this means they're putting up a lot of points this week. They're going up against Statman and Mitch. Uh, this will be a, a very interesting matchup. Right now, Yahoo has them literally projected a point apart. So that's how you know it's close. I was trying to think of a name for this matchup, but I couldn't really. I don't know what the real overlap is between these guys, so they'll have to let me know where they draw their rivalry or meaning from this matchup. But for Connor and Pot, Connor and Pot have to start because Dallas Goddard got hurt and TJ Hawkinson's on by. Our very own Rob Gronkowski at tight end, but he's not the most important player. The most important player is Julio Jones. If Julio Jones can get back into form, Buffalo Real Estate's still a formidable team, even with Eckler out due to James Robinson being legit. If Julio Jones isn't good, then this team has a flex problem, right? And, and that paired with Rob Gronkowski, who we know is poop, right? They're going to have a problem on the other side of it. Statman and Mitch, why does the outlook for their team change? Because Kareem Hunt is now potentially the number one fantasy running back. And so that is a massive upgrade. And this team now, even though they're 0-4, with the upgrade to Hunt, they're kind of a scary fucking team. Not to mention Michael Thomas is back from injury. This is a team that, you know, 0-4, but they get, you know, you could make the case. I don't agree with it, but you could make the case for this week if it's a fully healthy Michael Thomas. This team just added the best fantasy wide receiver and the best fantasy running back for the week. So this team does a massive 180 on its season experience. And I would not be surprised to see Statman and Mitch go on a run, which is literally their story every year. And they're going to be like six and seven and just miss the playoffs with most points against. And it's every year. But I love their team. I am taking Statman and Mitch to take down Connor and Pot and uh, get in the win column. And then we have my rivalry matchup. And honestly, Evans, too. This is Jake and Akko versus David and Henry. And, you know, I say that we get the most up for Mesh and Rosen. It's probably true overall. But, my God, do I fucking love beating David. And do I hate losing to him. So, I know he's going to talk shit. I, he just – he's the worst. And uh, it's just, you know, I all love to Henry. And always happy to lose to Henry, a, a professional and a true, true man of class. Uh, in our matchup – Come right out and say, I'm projecting us to win, which means we're going to lose. I was 0-2. When I projected us to win, we lost both. When I projected us to lose, we won both. Uh, that's not true. That's not true. I'm 1-1 one -on, -one on each. So, But I'm projecting us to win. Our big issue is, uh, you know, it's tough. I don't know who the one player is. It's probably Chris Carson. You know, he keeps being banged up. And so if he plays and he plays well, anytime the guy plays the full game, 
he's put up 18 or more fantasy points. The one game where he came out, he's only put up nine. So I need him to be healthy. He's the key to our matchup playing well. And then I would also say Robert Woods. Everybody out there says Robert Woods is so good. I think Robert Woods is trash. Evan's trying to convince me otherwise. So we'll see. On the other hand, it, it's going to be this way for a while for this team. It comes down to Odell Beckham Jr. If OBJ is an elite wide receiver and can you know, make him and Tyreek Hill this crazy one-two punch, then it's fucking awesome. And this team is legit. If he reverts back to what he's been in prior seasons and what he was over the first few weeks, he's a problem. So he's a problem for them. So, you know, they get A.J. Brown back this week. So far, he's not in the starting lineup. I think that makes sense, given it's his first week. And they're still benching Antonio Gibson and, and Jamison Crowder. I, I don't know. They may end up making some changes. But they have a good team. They have a good team. It's just like, again, they suffer from the Cass and uh, Kess and Weissman problem of, like, too much depth almost. And I wonder if they should make a trade. So I'm picking them. I'm picking us to uh, take home the victory. I am seven and eight through three weeks, and I am zero uh, and two on my gambling advice. But things will turn around. Things will turn around. Uh, every week, it's been one team that's fucked me. Last week, it was the Cowboys. So I will look. I will tell you now. You know me. I'm a three-team teaser kind of guy. And this week, there's some good teasers. Kansas City Chiefs are currently at thirteen and a half. He, I don't care what you tease that down to. I think they're going to win by a lot. But you know me. I like six-point teasers. Tease that down to seven and a half. If you're really scared, take the extra half point. Get that down to seven. But Kansas City taking on the Raiders, that's one. Uh, then, number two, you got Baltimore at Cincinnati. Now, this is a bit of a scary one. Divisional matchups, whatever. But Baltimore beats bad teams. That's just what they do. They're currently at 13. Tease that right down to seven. You get those two. And now you get your pickings. Right? There's a couple of matchups. If Patriots-Denver was going to happen, that'd be the one I'd say jump on. Patriots at 11, tease that down to five. But it seems like the Pats, COVID, who knows. So as much as I hate to do this, Cardinals against the Jets. Uh, the Jets are starting Joe Flacco. Get that in every bet because even though the Cardinals have been imploding, they're going to beat the Jets. You heard it here. Cardinals, tease that down against the Jets down to one. Kansas City teased that seven and a half against the Raiders, maybe to seven. Baltimore teased that to seven against the Bengals. Probably not the greatest odds on that teaser, but I think that that's an easy victory. Take that to the bank. And, uh, you know, that's going to be your win. So what a, great, uh, what a great episode. Thanks so much to Jeremy for coming on. We'd love to have more of you listeners on. We'd love to have other people on. This is great. Uh, you know, hopefully we continue to have the season. I can keep doing this. Please, as listeners, let me know what you want to hear, what you like. And uh, this has been another incredible episode of Fantasies from the Bedroom. And until next time.